0: Just because I can, doesn't mean that I should. So you know what, maybe it should be an office manager. Even though I may not have that office manager position filled, ideally, if I did have access to all of the resources I needed, it really should be an office manager performing that task and not me as the CEO. So this is the kind of conversation we start to have. The reason why this exercise, Tyler, is so powerful is because it's visualization, it's tactile. Everyone can be in a room, hopefully at the same time, and it's generating conversations and discussions that you may not have had before. Welcome
1: to Think Business with Tyler, sharing our methods and strategies for success. Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin. Welcome back to another episode. Today's guest is Alicia Butler-Pierre. Alicia is a CEO and a two-time Amazon best-selling author. She is an expert in building strong and sustainable business infrastructures. In this episode, we explore why people and processes go hand in hand, a mistake business owners make when an issue arises and how to manage chaos in your business. If you want to develop a bulletproof infrastructure, and trust me, you do, this episode is the right one for you. Let's dive in with Alicia. Hi, Alicia. Welcome to the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. How are you doing today?
0: I am doing well, Tyler. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Yeah, thanks for being on the show. I'm super excited to talk with you. You have so much knowledge to share today. I can't wait to get into it. But before I do that, I'd love to just find out, can you tell us what you're doing these days and just a little bit about yourself?
0: What I am doing these days, I'm actually launching a brand new course, which is totally new territory for me very uncomfortable but that's where we learn right whenever yeah. we're doing things that we're not comfortable with and just to give your listeners a very quick background about who I am i'm Alicia and i have had my company equilibria for the past 17 years every time i say that it's just i can't even believe it because i literally remember starting it's like it was it was yesterday and we specialize in Helping fast-growing small businesses scale with less chaos. Oh, wow, I like that. We do that through what we call business infrastructure.:
1: Yeah, I like that. Could we define what in your mind like is a small business? Like, where does that? Is it by revenue, number of employees? Where's that definition, would you say?
0: So our definition and that I'm so glad you're asking me to make that distinction. Our definition is in terms of employees. So we tend to work with companies that have usually less than 50 employees. Okay. That's who we're working with.
1: So that's actually, you know, a decent sized business once it's got up to that size. And you help them, you help businesses through that whole gamut. Like do you is it even early stage if it's like a five person company is that someone that would be a good target for you?
0: It is. And the reason we decided years ago to focus on size of employee size rather than revenue size is for that reason that you just pointed out. There could be, I can think of a company right now that has about four or five employees, but they're in the multi- multi-million dollar figure. And then you can have a company that has 10 employees, but might only be doing 250,000 in revenue. So we don't look at revenue nearly as much as where are you in in your company's development? And we also, we really hone in, Tyler, on is the growth that you're experiencing chaotic? And that's usually when we have a very captive audience. (laughs) <laughs> because if we try to go and talk to people i mean you you know this i know you're you're the pro at scaling also but as you know when you try to talk to startups about this kind of stuff processes and systems are like oh god no thank you it's all about marketing and branding and pr and sales they they and it makes sense right you have to get customers coming to your door but what happens once you have received a return on your investment in marketing and sales and branding and PR, social media. And now you go from having not having enough customers to having too many. And that's usually when we can kind of raise our hands and say, Hey, we're here. This is exactly what we do. Let's have a conversation.
1: Yeah, I love that. So let's talk about, I love the term, by the way, business infrastructure. Oh, good. Can we define that a little bit maybe for the audience? Like, what what is that? Is that just, once again, the systems or processes? Just fill that in for me if you don't mind.
0: Absolutely. So when we talk about business infrastructure, it's the people, the processes, and the tools slash technologies that you're using in your business, those three key elements, how do you link those together in a system so that your growth is not only repeatable, but it's also sustainable and profitable? Business infrastructure enables you to see where when you have a change in one of those elements, how does it impact the other two? Nothing is done in isolation. You're always trying to figure out how a change in one area is going to potentially impact all of the other areas. And that's why it's so important to talk about it being linked. When most people hear the word infrastructure, there's usually two things that come to mind, transportation or IT, something related to networking with IT or technology. But let's go back to the transportation definition of infrastructure. So just imagine, for those of you who are listening right now, think about all the different modes of transportation whether it be by roads, plane, train, (laughs) shipping. Transportation infrastructure really connects all of those different modes of transportation such that people and goods can move about as seamlessly as possible. Well, the same is true with business infrastructure, except we're trying to figure out, again, how do you link those key people that are needed, those processes and those tools so that work and information can flow as seamlessly as possible.
1: Very cool. I want to break this down. There's just so much information here. Let's talk about people first, because I think a lot of times it starts with people, right?
0: Absolutely.
1: How do we do that? Like, How do we hire the right people? How do we form that team? And, And does... When we talk about chaos, do you think the chaos starts... So the chaos starts after you have the people, right? That's when the chaos starts to kick in because I guess maybe people don't know exactly what to be doing or maybe they're not doing the most efficiently. What's your thoughts around that? And then can we get a little bit into finding the right team, forming the right team?
0: Sure. The chaos, in my experience, usually comes because the, the customer... Let's say you have a viral moment. You may have had an appearance on a local television show there's an ad campaign that you've kicked off and it's it's gone really well. Whatever the case is, all of a sudden, you find yourself in a position where you have more business than you can handle. You literally have more demand than you might be able to supply. That's when you know that you need to have, you need to hire more people, more than likely. So it's sometimes, yes, it might mean that you need to upgrade certain equipment or technologies. You might even need to move into a bigger space. But a lot of times it means that you need to start hiring more people. So to your point, Tyler, how do you know exactly who to hire and in what order? You know you need the help, but who do you go after first? So there's an exercise that I do with clients, and I don't know if the if this video will go uh, online, but I will do my best to also describe visually what I am holding up here. So imagine I'm holding up three different very small index cards. And they're labeled A2, B3, and C1. Now, just imagine if these different index cards literally had three different unique activities or tasks that have to be performed in your business. One of the first exercises that we would do together is I would literally ask you and whoever else is on your team to brainstorm Every single activity or task that's being performed, no matter how complex or how mundane. So it's complex being, you know, the actual work that you're doing for your customers or your clients. The more mundane things, checking email, responding to voicemails, things like that. And then we'll, in our next exercise, we would actually get together. We would take all of those index cards, we're going to spread them across a very large table. And by the way, don't be surprised if you have upwards 200 or more index cards, because as you start brainstorming everything that you're doing, and you're literally getting the information out of your head and your respective team members' heads and getting that onto these individual index cards, you're going to look at that and say, oh my gosh, wow, we knew we were doing a lot, but we didn't realize just how much work we're really doing. The next thing that you would do, so you're spreading all of these index cards across a large table. You then want to group anything that is similar in nature, any task or activity on these different index cards that are similar in nature, group those into columns. So in this example that I'm showing Tyler right now on the screen, I have grouped three different index cards that all happen to start with the letter A. And again, this is purely for illustrative purposes. But let's suppose A2 really said, send invoice to client. And I know you can appreciate this with your (laughs) CPA background, (laughs) send invoice to client you know, check that clients made payment on time. And then all of these basically would would be related to receiving money. And you would group all of those together. And then I would come behind you, Tyler, and ask you, okay, Tyler, I see that you've grouped this first column of tasks together. If you had to assign these specific activities or these specific tasks to a department, what would the name of that department be? And you might say, well, I would call it department A or I would call it billing, I would call it invoicing, I would call it my accounts receivable department or just my accounting department, marketing, operations, so forth and so on. The point is you go through this exercise until every single task has been assigned or grouped into a particular column. And then you identify those departments. But here's where the team identification piece comes into play. Let's say as you start looking at each department in isolation of the others. So again, I'm holding up a card that says Department A, and I have a task that's labeled A3. So I might ask you, Tyler, in a perfect world, if you had access to all of the resources that you needed, who ideally should perform task A3? And you might say, well, Alicia, you know what, right now it's me. No, 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 no. (laughs) So Here's where my stick figures, I love using <laughs> stick figures. I love them. This is where the stick figures come into play.
1: So just for the sake of the, because this may not be on our video for everyone. Okay. You've got a picture of a very cute picture of a stick figure CEO <laughs> and they're standing on top of one of the tasks, A3. Is that correct?
0: Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So so imagine you and your team, whoever whoever is working on this exercise with you. You have all of these index cards. Again, we're looking at one department at a time now. Those index cards with all of those different tasks for that one department, you've spread those out across the table. You're going to take these stick figures and start grouping the actual tasks that each role should perform, not could, but should perform. And you would just write the name of that role, not the person's actual name, but the name of the the position or the role across the body of this stick figure. So as Tyler just mentioned, I'm holding up an index card. It says A3. And I also have placed a stick figure above this index card. And right now it says CEO. But Tyler and I are going to have a little conversation here. Like, Tyler, this task A3, let's say it says something like, um, call client if if the client is behind on payment make a phone call to the client well tyler is that really the best use of your time as the ceo of your company and you'll say yeah i know alicia yeah you're right i shouldn't just because i can doesn't mean that i should so you know what maybe it should be an office manager even though i may not have that office manager position filled Ideally, if I did have access to all of the resources I needed, it really should be an office manager performing that task and not me as the CEO. So this is the kind of conversation we start to have. The reason why this exercise, Tyler, is so powerful is because it's visualization. It's tactile. Everyone can be in a room, hopefully at the same time, and it's generating conversations and discussions that you may not have had before. Yes, you can try to do this. You can certainly do this via Zoom or some type of remote screen sharing application, but it's just better if you could try to be in the same room at the same time. And you will be surprised at how quickly you're able to start moving these stick figures and these index cards around. So once you have identified all of these different positions, the next question you want to ask yourself, because obviously you have to think about budget, you may have identified, let's say, five new roles that don't currently exist in your business. How on earth are you going to fill those positions and in what order? Not everyone has to be a full-time employee. And this is where I really encourage people who are listening to this right now, Tyler, to be creative. Not everyone has to be a full-time employee. It could be that you could outsource some of this work. You could, if you needed that CPA, obviously as a smaller business, you wouldn't bring on a CPA full-time more than likely, but you certainly could find an accounting firm that's already out there that you could actually outsource your bookkeeping and tax filings and all that kind of activity to same thing with attorneys. You probably wouldn't have in-house counsel unless you actually own a law firm, but you can certainly outsource legal compliance-related activities and contract reviews to that lawyer. Another thing that you can consider is internships. Is it possible for you to offer internships at your company? Are there some positions that could be volunteer positions? I know, Tyler, you have experience with a nonprofit organization. So for those who might be working inside of nonprofits, this would be a great time for you to see if there's if it's possible to bring on those volunteer resources. And then, of course, there's part-time. There's There's just so many ways that you can get the help that you need without breaking the bank. That's the whole point. Now. The output of all of this, what's the output? So obviously you identify the people that you need to add to your team. You then start having a conversation about budget and prioritization. So in what order are you going to fill these vacant positions? But you also have all of the information that you need to create very succinct, very transparent job descriptions. And this is why this is so powerful. How many times, I know I, I'm guilty of this from back in the day, Tyler, I must tell you, I am guilty sure, of this. We all of are. Hiring, you're so desperate to put bodies in seats, so to speak. You're so desperate to fill those vacant positions that anyone who expresses an interest is like, you know what, here, take it. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you're here. And then that person ends up not working out because there's something that we may have forgotten to include in that job description. Not that we did it, we omitted it intentionally. We just, you know, we're kind of going off the top of our heads. We're up in probably one o'clock in the morning trying to create a job description. And sure enough, we inadvertently leave out some really important information that a person would probably need to see in order to determine whether or not they would be good fits or a good fit for that particular position. I'll share a really quick story here. I remember years ago, I was in desperate need of an assistant and I was introduced to someone and she came to my office. We had a great conversation and I told her, I said, I need you to get on the phone and do some cold calling." And she said, Alicia, I'm not a phone person. I said, okay, well, how is this going to work? Because I'm not a phone person either. (laughs) But you know what I did, Tyler? I hired her anyway, because I was so desperate to have someone come in and help me because I was just, I was drowning in work. And I I was just so glad that someone expressed an interest and she wanted to help. And I said, you know what? Okay. She can't do the phone thing. Fine. That's okay. But it wasn't okay. It wasn't okay. And and so I, I hope that's just a cautionary tale to share with others because making a wrong or a bad hire can be costly. Think about all of the time that you're spending trying to onboard and train that new person and then only to find out a few months later, you know what, this really isn't going to work out. And then you have to start all over again. Now, if I had taken my time to really find someone who didn't mind doing all of the things that were listed on that job description, you know, there would have been a completely different outcome and I would have saved a lot of money and time. So that's just one thing of many things in creating this business infrastructure. But something else, Tyler, that I think is really important to point out, once you know your company's departments, and I'm holding up some different color index cards here. I have department A, department B, and department C. So let's suppose your company has three unique departments, even though we know you'll probably have more than that. But let's just say for the sake of an, an, an example, you have three key departments that you've identified in your company. This is going to be the way that you organize your processes it's going to be the way that you organize your physical workspace. Even if you're just in one room, you still want to organize your workspace into work zones that correspond to these different departments. It's going to be the way that you organize your digital records. It's the way that you organize your physical or your paper records. And it gives you a level or a baseline for organizing Every single operational aspect of your business. Once you know those departments, you know the people, that literally is the foundation for everything else when it comes to creating your company's business infrastructure.
1: Wonderful. So let me unpack some of this because a lot of really okay. good, good. I
0: know that was a lot, of, that was a lot to digest.
1: A lot of good <laughs> wisdom there. So one thing I like, uh, well, there's several things, but one thing in particular, when you set up like that employee's duties, if you will, or things that that person's going to do, I love how you're kind of setting up whoever you do ultimately hire For success, because you've already clearly defined exactly how it fits into the organization, which is really cool. Because a lot of times when we write job descriptions, I'm guilty of this earlier in my career in particular. You know, you go onto a website and you copy someone else's job order, maybe you clean it up a little bit, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's your organization's job. You know, it's close, but it's not really (laughs) intertwined to exactly what needs to be done sometimes. So I love that. Now, my question though is, is this exercise of going through the stick figures and the roles is that something that you update annually so if we have this company the scaling what's the change cadence of that when are you recommending relooking at that
0: at least annually okay Absolutely. Thank you so much for asking that. Definitely annually. This also is a basis for your organizational chart. So what happens, what almost happens every single time we do this exercise with a client, Tyler, not only do they walk away with their job descriptions, but they also have that one-year, three-year, and sometimes even five-year strategic growth plan, that projection. And we just use an organizational chart, and it's so, it's always so cool to see the change when comparing a one-year organizational chart or year one organizational chart compared to the year three organizational chart, you can literally see the growth because you see more people. You might even see more departments. Sometimes people add a board by year three or year five even. So it's just a visual way also of showing every new person that comes onto your team, this is what our company looks like on the inside. And this is where the opportunities for promotion exist. When people know that they're working and they're part of something that's much bigger than themselves and that there's the opportunity to advance, even though it's a small business, but there's still that opportunity and that possibility, they tend to stick around. But when people are just coming in, they're kind of robotic, they're just doing things just for the sake of doing it, they're really functioning in silos and they don't have an idea of the larger vision or what the entire company looks like and how their one role plays into that overall vision or structure of the company, they're just not going to be as committed.
1: Hey, this is Tyler. Oftentimes, business owners and entrepreneurs hire me because they are stuck. Their business is stuck. They've hit a wall and can't take their business to the next level. And they're frustrated. When I grew my second business, it took me a while to get the pieces to fit. But once they did, the business scaled fast. In fact, it grew to $25 million in annual revenue and ultimately sold for eight figures. So I decided to put together a roadmap for scaling a business. I want to help stuck business owners that want to scale but are having challenges. It's called the Scale in 5 roadmap, and you can get a copy by doing the following. Text the number 55. 444 and type the word scale and hit send. A copy of the roadmap will be sent to your inbox.
0: They tend to stick around, but when people are just coming in, they're kind of robotic, they're just doing things just for the sake of doing it. They're really functioning in silos and they don't have an idea of the larger vision or what the entire company looks like and how their one role plays into that overall vision or structure of the company, they're just not going to be as committed.
1: Right, right. So, okay. So we've got this great organization of duties, who should be doing what we then take from that organization of duties. We want to hire now, Let's just for the sake of the example, an accounts receivable person, because we kind of laid that out. So now we, we put an ad together for an accounts receivable person. Do you have any tips or wisdom for us? Like, okay, we know what that person's going to be doing, but how do we find the right person? Like what, and I know it's longer than this podcast to really go into it, but what? anything stand out as far as some tips that people can do in terms of their hiring process to match the right person?
0: I'm a huge fan of situation-based interviewing. Mm. And what I mean by that is literally thinking of different situations or scenarios that you've encountered in your business And asking that person without letting them necessarily know that this has actually happened in your company, but seriously presenting different problems that you may have come across and asking them, how would you solve this? What approach would you use? But beyond that, Tyler, I'm a huge advocate of show me what you can do. There are a lot of people who can talk a very good game, they can go and read a book. And when you listen to them speak, you're like, oh my gosh, Tyler really knows what he's doing. I mean, if you look at certain people's resumes, I mean, it's like, wow. But it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to actually do it. I'll give you a, a, a pers- another personal example here. So I'm also a Lean Six Sigma person. And for those of you who don't know, that's That's all about process improvement and process mapping or being able to draw flowcharts is a huge part of that. I cannot tell you, Tyler, how many times, because I still do work for large corporations, I can't tell you how many times I have been hired to replace someone who didn't know what the heck they were doing. And I always tell those different corporations You should have made them map something in front of you. Then you would have known, okay, this this person has no clue. Yeah, he he or she got that certification, but a lot of people are really good at test taking. But can you actually do the work? So use situation-based interviewing. And also, if it's possible, Try to set up a situation where that person can demonstrate to you just what they can do. I think that's also a part of Amazon's interviewing techniques. I've heard about Amazon's, when you're starting to get up into those corporate level positions, it's nothing to go through 10 rounds of interviews and still not get the job. So take your time, take my my very small, simple example that I shared of, of the pain that can be caused when you're just so eager to get help that you kind of overlook certain things or you just you kind of just slack off on certain areas it's better to just take your time and make sure you get the right person than to just get anyone who expresses an interest
1: yeah a lot of wisdom there i you know really resonates with me what you say it's very easy when interviewing someone that's well spoken can answer pretty much any question you can throw at them, can kind of talk their way through things, doesn't necessarily mean that translates into someone that can do the job. And I think anyone that's kind of fell for that. And sadly, I think entrepreneurs and business owners, because they're not hiring left and right, or they might not be hiring frequently, they're not quite as polished in terms of looking for things like that. True story, this actually happened today. I had a a client of mine is looking to hire someone and it may very well turn out to be a good hire. But what was interesting is his hot button was systems and processes to your point. He's hiring someone that needs Mm. help with documenting things. We've been kind of working through and the person he interviewed, man, just kept, driving home how good he was with systems and processes but really didn't give him any factual information related to it and so he's now going to take this this uh, prospective employee to his facilities and kind of ask him like hey how would you improve it here's a problem we have can you walk us through how you might fix it but to your point like that's kind of the proof in the pudding it's like anybody can kind of just kind of on a surface level that's right talk through it I'll be curious and hopefully he does you know he is able to back it up but my cynical side, when I was talking to the client, it was like, you know, any, he just got to be a little bit careful here because it sounds like he's hitting your hot button. That doesn't necessarily mean he can do it. And entrepreneurs yes. get excited, you know, as soon as they think about they're going to solve their problem or whatever the next thing is. Yeah, We are optimistic. So we want to believe that that's going to solve. But it, to your point, it's going to be like a headache if it doesn't. It's just absolutely. problem. So anyway, sorry to get off on that, deviate. I want to dig a little deeper in systems and processes. So, What's your thought around them? Like when do they get introduced the day a business starts? What level of systems and processes should we be looking for? Uh, What are your thoughts around that?
0: Sure. And really quickly, before I answer that question, Tyler, I I think it's also worth noting as entrepreneurs, we often don't know what we don't know. So we don't know to look for certain things. And I would just also caution people if you need to hire another accountant, for example, you may not know always what to look for. So educate yourself by taking a LinkedIn learning course, like just learning even if it's just the basics. You don't have to know all of the nitty-gritty details, but know enough to be able to ask the right questions. So I think that's worth worth noting also. Okay, so processes and systems. I would love it Tyler if everybody looked at processes from day 1 of starting their business, but I know That usually doesn't happen. (laughs) But I will say this, processes and people go hand in hand. Why? Because as you start to add to your team, they have to know what to do and how to do it. Otherwise, whether it's a product that you are making or a service that you are delivering, there will be inconsistency and your customers are not going to be very forgiving if they consistently have an inconsistent experience with your company. So that's what processes afford you. I always like to use the analogy that processes are are really like your company's recipes. Think about your favorite meal at your favorite restaurant. If you were to ask the chef, can you please tell me the ingredients? Man, I really love that, you know, fill in the blank. And that chef might give you the recipe. Or the ingredients, excuse me. But then you go home and you try to replicate that, and it does not turn out the same way as the dish that you're accustomed to having in the restaurant. And that could be for a number of reasons. Number one, you might not know specific details like the temperature. You may not have the the right type of oven that's being used in that restaurant. You don't know the order of steps. This is what we talk about when we say a process. A process is literally How, what are the steps that I need to go through in order to produce the same result? Whether I do the work, Tyler does the work, you do the work, it is roughly going to produce the same output. That is what a process does for you. Processes, I think this is a myth. I think so many people still think of the old school standard operating procedure format where you write down step one, step two, step three. And oftentimes the thought of having to get into that level of detail just drives us as entrepreneurs, the bigger picture visionary thinkers. It drives us nuts. We don't want to get into that kind of detail. But what you could do is maybe use video. Is it possible for you to use something like Zoom even, especially if you want to show someone how to do something very specifically using a certain software or how to navigate something on a website? Those are all processes and you don't have to necessarily type everything out step by step. You can even use something like your smartphone and you can use the voice recording app that usually comes standard on on any type of phone and just start recording yourself literally telling someone this is how you do this particular function and you can just transcribe that and there you have a process that can actually be shared with other people especially the new people that are being added to your team
1: i love how you simplify that like it's not it doesn't have to be glorified, right? Like you don't need these no. complex software systems or anything. No. I just love how you say you have something on your phone, just take the audio. Also another one, you know, to your same point, there's a program called Loom. Yes. You can actually use Loom on your phone too. You could go to a website and record your screen and go through all the, I mean, I'm not sure how efficient it would be, but you could do it. I mean, just to make it simple, if you wanted to have a real simple process right. for a procedure. So that's really cool. That's, that's a great point. A lot of great
0: points. Yeah, I think... That's the hurdle for so many. It's a mental hurdle for so many people. When they hear process, they're thinking, oh God, do I have to? And some people may think I'm just not good at writing or I'm just not good at that level of detail. Just whatever you can do to get that information out of your head, that's the most important thing. Yes, you can always have someone else who's better at that, maybe even a technical writer. You can always have someone come behind you and kind of fill in the missing details but the most important thing is to get that information out of your head and into some type of format that can easily be shared with other people i recommend going digital there's so many digital tools that are available to us now you know whether we use dropbox or google drive or google doc however whatever you need to do you know a lot of times i also recommend that clients create a YouTube channel, and you can store all of your recorded Zoom and and Loom videos right there in, on YouTube, and just have them marked as unlisted. That way, it's not public information. Or you could create a private channel on something like Vimeo. So there's there's just so many options that are out there right now for being able to record your knowledge and put it in a format that can easily be shared with other people on your team.
1: Hey Alicia, so. Obviously, repeatable experience for your customer is one of the big benefits. Where would you put... So we've got this beautiful... Using the stick figure system, we've got this beautiful clarity of what roles people would be doing, what their functions are. Would you also argue having processes and systems make hiring a little bit easier just because the trainability?
0: Absolutely. When people end, it's going to reduce turnover. Ah, okay. Because if there's... Remember, if there's chaos... And people are coming into a chaotic situation. They they want to know that there is a method to the madness. They want to know that there's some level of process because if you don't have processes captured, here's what usually happens. People get blamed. Customers get angry, number one. They get angry. And then you as the leader start blaming people instead of blaming the process or the lack thereof, the fact that processes don't exist. I always tell people, blame the process before you blame the people. Well, Alicia, there isn't a process. Well, there you have it. So before you get upset with people, you have to first put yourself in check and ask, did I even document this? I can't really be mad at Tyler if he didn't do this a certain way because I technically don't have this documented anywhere. So if Tyler did something a little differently than the way he may have been shown, then I can't really blame him for that. I could, but you know it, it would be wrong of me to do that. However, if you have something documented somewhere, this is how you provide this particular service to a, a customer and a person then decides to violate the rules or do something a little bit differently, well, now you have a basis to measure that person's performance and say, okay, you didn't do this the way you were trained, the way that it's documented. Now, it could also lead to conversations about the process itself being broken. Now, that's very possible also. It could be that the way that something has been captured, it needs to be tweaked or it's just not working anymore. It used to work when you first documented the process, but now technologies have upgraded again. It could be that there's a better, smarter, faster, cheaper way of doing something. That's when you would be able to have those conversations as well.
1: Yeah, I love that. I love the slogan. I may steal it from you. I'll I'll give you uh, credit. (laughs) <laughs> Blame the process, not the person. I love that. That's uh,
0: absolutely it makes
1: us. It's so logical because a lot of times when employees aren't succeeding, it is related to either the environment or lack of process or whatever. So that's mm-hmm. what a, what a nice way to to view give give the person the benefit of the doubt. I've got a couple questions We're getting close to wrapping up here, but I wanted to in the going back to chaos where we started. Can you give me three, and sorry if I'm putting you on, on the spot here so I don't feel like you have to come up with three if you can't. Can you give me three signs of what that chaos looks like or what are the triggers to chaos? If there's people out there and they're like, am I in a chaos situation? What are those three signs if, if you got them?
0: A very big one is a dramatic increase in the number of customer complaints. Okay. That's almost always a sign of, okay, there's something chaotic going on in the background. Okay. Number two... High employee turnover, or just mm. if you don't have employees, whoever is helping you, there's high turnover. Another big one, believe it or not, Tyler, is failed audits. Ah, okay. That's a very big one because there's so much chaos. And let's think about restaurants, for example, they might fail an inspection because they're cutting corners, they're doing things that they really shouldn't be doing. And then that health inspector shows up, doesn't a surprise visit, and Before you know it, and a health inspector could actually shut the restaurant completely down. Yeah. So we're we're all audited, even, and I want everyone to be clear on this. The IRS can audit us. You know, you may think, well, I'm not in a very regulated industry, but all of us to some extent are regulated. The question is, it's just a matter of if or when you will actually be audited. And you just want to make sure that you have all of your ducks in a row when that may actually happen.
1: Right. And sometimes that feedback, to your point, like if it is the IRS, you don't get that feedback until two or three years. So you don't really want to find out two or three years that you you have a broken process. I mean, hopefully, but to your point, like customer uh, complaints and inefficiencies is a big one. Employee turnover. I mean, those are just huge ways of saying, hey, you've got a systems process, uh, probably the first thing to look at. And then maybe you have a people problem. You kind of got to figure it out. But through using your stick figure, I think would be a great way probably to figure out where your problem's at.
0: And a big one, something that has now become a part of everyday vernacular, who would have ever thought, but supply chain issues.
1: Yeah, you're right. Sometimes
0: you have no control around it. I am a Starbucks addict. I, I have to admit it, Tyler. And what's funny is I don't drink coffee or tea, but I love hot chocolate. And I know this is one place where I can go and get hot chocolate the way I need it made because I I have to have it with almond milk. But anyway, it's a bummer when I go there now and they tell me, oh, we don't have this. We don't have that. We don't have this. And I'm thinking, what? Um, This is crazy. You're Starbucks. But it happens. Now, I will say in in situations like that, because it's happened to all of us over the past two years in some way, shape, form, or fashion, we have not been able to get something in the amount of time that we would have normally gotten it. The companies that I find that are handling that the best are those who give you advanced warning as a customer.
1: Mm-hmm. Communication.
0: Hey, Tyler, you've come here to our drive through Want to let you know before you even place your order, we're out of this. We're out of that. That way, you don't have to, as a customer, place an order only to be told, oh, we're so sorry, sir. We've run out of that or we don't have it. We haven't received our inventory or we're completely out of stock or whatever the case may be. And now you're upset, you're disappointed, and you're going to blame it on that. You're, you're not going to be happy. And then you might get on Twitter and rant. Uh-
1: <laughs> no, you're, you're actually, you know, it's, it's funny. It seems so subtle. But it, it's big. I mean, like, you know that feeling after you order something and they say, sorry, we don't have it. You almost feel like, ugh. But if you're told in advance, it eliminates that whole,
0: yep, ugh.
1: you know, exactly. that that feeling. Well, that is a great, that's a great uh, comment, observation, Alicia. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So, hey, I want to wrap up here because we've been going quite, quite a while. You have such good information. I would like to end with like a business or a life tip. If you have one that you could share with us, hopefully it makes our business better or our life better. Do you got something off the top of your head?
0: It's my personal mantra, which is leave it better than you found it. I love that one. I am a recovering perfectionist. And I used to really get bent out of shape, Tyler, if I recommended something and that client just didn't do it. And I would, I would really internalize that. And I had to let that go and instead start asking myself, did I at least leave that company or that person in a better state or condition than I found it in. And then if that's if the answer to that is yes, then I've done, I've done my job. Yeah, that's a great
1: one. I think we've all been there too professionally. I can relate to that is, you know, you you we always as people that want to help others, in this case grow their business, it's hard sometimes to go, hey, they're not applying or they're not doing this and maybe to internalize that. But I think your wisdom of stepping back and going, are they in a better spot? And I bet you ninety nine 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 percent of the time they are. So you've you've done your job. You've done what you can do. Right. Yeah, I love that. Hey, so your website, and I'll put this in the show notes at thinktyler.com. In fact, I have three links, ultimately, I think, at least. AliciaButlerPierre.com is your main website. Now that's a little bit long for me to probably spell out, but I'll I'll do it here. It's Alicia's A-L-I-C-I-A, Butler, B-U-T-L-E-R, and then Pierre. I hope I'm saying I'm enunciating that correctly,
0: P-I-E-R-R-E
1: dot com. So that's the main website. Then do you have another website that you want to share? I think you just I wanted you mentioned your courses. I'd love to know about that.
0: Sure. So, so that site is where if you want to learn more about me and, and link up with me across different social media platforms, but my company's website is EQB, which is short for Equilibria, systems.com. And as you mentioned, Tyler, thank you so much. There is a course there, a business infrastructure course. So if you want to learn more about what it is and, and how you can actually Use these stick figures and index cards to start building your team, creating your organizational chart, documenting your processes, getting your workspace organized, and capturing your records management systems, then we'd love for you to join us.
1: Perfect. Now, Alicia, you had mentioned to me earlier that there might be like a, a freebie. Is that uh, yes. at your main company site or is that a link you're going to give me that I'll put in the show notes?
0: That is the link that I will give you
1: Okay, cool. for the show notes. And I think it's Absolutely. related to your book. It is. A couple of free chapters, right? Yep. Awesome. Okay. So I'll include that. Well, hey, you are awesome to have. I hope uh, you'll be willing to come and share some more in the future.
0: Absolutely.
1: I just hope you have a great weekend and I look forward to talking to you again in the near future.